Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Buenos dias, Emmanuel Faith. I'm so blessed to be here this morning. It's such a privilege to share uh, with you from God's word. And uh, I want to I want to extend a welcome to those that are watching online and also uh, to those that are uh, visiting us here for the first time. We're so grateful that you are with, uh, with us. Hopefully you'll, you'll feel at home. And I, I want to give a special welcome to my friends, to my family in the chapel. So grateful family that you are joining us today. Now, for those that, uh, to those that don't know me, my name is Esteban Tapia. I'm one of the pastors here at Emmanuel Faith, and it's my privilege, it's my joy to be part of this family. And in fact, I want to do something at the beginning, uh, before I start sharing from God's word. I just want to look around and see who is here, because I haven't done that. Every time that I come to preach, I get so nervous up in the balcony. I get so nervous that I not even pay attention to who is coming here. So I, I want to feel more confident because this is home. And when I said yes, I mean, you guys have been so gracious, so loving that, that, that I want to grow in confidence as well. And I've been praying, God, please help me, allow me, allow me to just continue to be one with my brothers and my sisters without being hesitant or feeling shy or, or, not, uh, or not feeling open and, and, and willing even sometimes to, to share from my heart. And today it's going to be a very special time as we, as we spend time in God's word. Today we will be searching for Jesus together. And that's a beautiful blessing. We'll be seeking to learn more of who he is. So please open your Bibles to John chapter 6. I think that in this chapter we find one of the most fascinating and interesting teaches, teachings of Jesus. A teaching that caused the decline of his popularity. Everything... Up to this point was going great in Jesus' ministry. More and more people were following him. Everyone was in awe for his ability to perform miracles. And people were coming to him from everywhere. But things were about to change. Jesus made a claim that confused and disappointed most of those who were following him. In order to introduce himself as the bread of life, Jesus decided to perform a sign that will point people to a higher reality. With five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus showed his ability to multiply limited resources, feeding a multitude. Now, once this crowd witnessed this miracle, they thought that Jesus was a prophet. So they decided to make him king by force. They were ready to launch a revolution. They were ready to fight for him. But as we know, Jesus wasn't that the kind of king that they were hoping for. Jesus didn't come to this world to satisfy our personal desires or our superficial needs. No, Jesus had in mind 
the renewal of all things. So right before the crowd took action, Jesus left the area and went up to a mountain to be by himself, most likely to pray, to spend time with the Father, to spend time with himself. But before leaving, he told his disciples to get on the boat and go across the lake. A few hours later, he came down from the mountain to join his disciples. But instead of using a boat, he decided to walk upon the waters like a boss, showing his authority and his power. And in response, his disciples fell on their knees and worshiped Jesus, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God. So they finally got it. It took them a while, but they finally got it. In the past, the disciples witnessed a similar event when Jesus rebuked a storm. But back then, they just thought that he was an amazing man. They asked to each other, who is this man? That even the winds, that even the waves obey him. But this time was different. In the past, like the crowd, when Jesus fed them, they were thinking that Jesus was like a prophet. And maybe with the potential to start a revolution and become a warrior king. But once the disciples saw Jesus walking on water, they finally recognized him for who he was. They finally acknowledged that he was indeed the son of God. But not everyone was on the same page with the disciples or on the same boat. Not everyone saw Jesus walking on water. There was still a great multitude of people on the other side of the lake searching for Jesus without understanding who he really was. The next day, once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So here... We have a large group of people searching for Jesus. As mentioned before, Jesus' popularity was growing. And these crowd, they were looking for him all over the place. But unfortunately, they weren't searching for Jesus because they were intrigued about his person. They were not looking for him because they believed that he was the son of God or the one through whom God called everything into existence. They didn't believe that he was God in the flesh, the light of the world or the lamb of God. No. They were searching for Jesus because they got addicted to his performance, but not to his presence. They were not searching for Jesus as a person. They were following the fish, and the bread. Now, this is definitely sad, but not unusual. 
People even today follow Jesus for different reasons. Different reasons and different motivations. Unfortunately, not everyone follows him for who he is and for what he wants from us. But we should follow the person. This crowd didn't care about Jesus as much. They care more about the benefits that he could bring to their lives. They were more interested in feeding their bodies and in having Jesus feeding their souls. But again, this is not unusual. It happens a lot. And it can definitely happen to us. So let's take a few seconds to reflect on our motives for searching for Jesus. Ask yourself, let's take a few seconds to ask ourselves, am I really following Jesus? Am I hungry for his presence in my life? Do I desire him more than anything? You see, as followers of Jesus, we should pursue to live in his presence, to grow in intimacy with him and to feed upon him. But sadly, a lot of Christians are not hungry nor thirsty for Christ. Maybe because we live too comfortable lives. When my family and I came to Christ back in the late 80s down in Tijuana, we experienced some new challenges in our lives. Our extended family distanced from us. Our friends made fun of our fate. And our neighbors used to call us all kinds of names. It wasn't easy. It was, it was hard. But we had Christ. And we had church. A group of no more than 80 people who were very passionate for Christ. They became our family. And soon we learned that we weren't the only ones going through difficult stuff within that congregation. I guess that's probably the reason why they were so hungry for Christ. As I remember... Most people in that small congregation were struggling like, like us, like my family and I. And they didn't have much either. But we had Christ. And we were hungry for him. So hungry that almost everyone showed up to every single Sunday service. So hungry that in our monthly all-night prayer... Everyone came to be part of that. So hungry that we used to sing with everything we had. So hungry that we didn't miss an opportunity to come and experience the presence of God. A two hour and a half service, it wasn't that long back then. <laughs> we were hungry. We had nothing. We were hungry. Now, being hungry for Christ doesn't mean that we should experience our relationship with Jesus in the same way that I just described it. For those were different times and 
It was a different context. But we still need to be hungry for Christ. He needs to become our everything in life. That's what it means to follow the person of Jesus Christ. And not only his blessings. When we are hungry for Christ, he teaches us his ways. And he shows us his heart. We learn to walk with him. Going through different seasons in life. And we grow in intimacy with him. Many of faith. Are you hungry? Do you have a sense of urgency? His sense of desire for Jesus. Can you hear your soul crying out for more? Of Christ. Back to our passage. When the multitude finally found Jesus. It soon became evident that they didn't have much interest in him. They didn't show any sense of connection or attachment to him. They were simply looking to fill up their bellies. But Jesus knew all about it. Keep in mind that he knows even our deepest thoughts and motivations. He knows. He knows why we show up at church. He knows the reason why we are singing in the choir. He knows the motivations that lead us to serve or to lead in any capacity. He knows well. I think that Jesus is really smart. <laughs> so he told him, he told this crowd, verse 26, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So there you go. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that these people wanted fish sandwiches more than they wanted him. They didn't show any desire to have a relationship with the person that the bread and the fish were pointing to. They were more focused on the superficial and the temporary things in life. And being aware of this, Jesus took the opportunity to invite the crowd to focus instead of what really matters and to search in him. To search for sustenance for their starving souls. For he is the son of man. Jesus is the son of man. He is the one to whom the Father has given authority and sovereign power. On Jesus, God the Father has placed the seal of the Holy Spirit, empowering to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and to bring good news to those in need. That's who they had in front of them, and they were missing it. They didn't see him. They were more concerned about the fish and the bread than in having Jesus in their lives. 
Can you believe it? They crossed the lake. They searched all over the place. All of that effort and pursue for food that spoils. Instead of pursuing the one who is the way to know the Father. The one who could lead them into the kingdom of God. And to experience the abundant eternal life that he offers. Can you believe it? Verse 28. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You know, one of the things that I appreciate from this crowd is that at least they were willing to engage in a conversation with Jesus. Some of them showed some curiosity asking him a question. Now to their surprise, Jesus gave them an answer that they didn't expect. Jesus told them to believe in him. He didn't give them a long list of things for them to do. He just told them to believe in the one whom the Father has sent. You see, a relationship with God doesn't depend on what we can do, but on what God has done on our behalf through the person of Jesus Christ. Let me, let me make something very, very clear. Works are not a requirement to start a relationship with Jesus. You don't need to perform. You don't need to do anything. Anything. Works are the result of having a relationship with him. The only thing required to begin a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ is to believe in him. Now, as the multitude received this answer from Jesus, verse 30, they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And I'm just amazed of these people. They were something else, right? By this time in the story, Jesus already performed enough signs for them to see. But for them, those signs weren't enough. They wanted more. You see, external signs are not enough to believe in Jesus. They will point us to him, but they will make us believe. This crowd was asking for more than signs, for more signs, sorry. But they had no ability to perceive them. They had no ability to notice that those signs were pointing to Jesus. They lack vision and their hearts were not running after Jesus. In their heads, Jesus was just like Moses. In fact, they brought Moses up to the conversation, to the conversation, saying that he fed their ancestors with bread from heaven. To what Jesus replied, Mary, truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, 
but it is my father. Who he was? My father, said Jesus, who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, as you know, for centuries, the Israelites celebrated that God gave them manna from heaven. But unfortunately, most of them ignored that the manna was a sign pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the bread of God that came down from heaven to give, to give life to the world. But this crowd didn't get it. They were so confused that they thought that Jesus was talking to them about the manna. The bread that God sent from heaven hundreds of years ago as the Israelites wandered in the desert. Jesus wasn't talking about the bread. Jesus was sharing with them the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave the bread of life. So that whoever believes in him, whoever feeds upon him will have eternal life. But the crowd wasn't listening they were so invested in the idea of getting free food that they ignored the words of Christ isn't that shameful I think it is but before judging this crowd how different are we from them today today a lot of us are Willing to follow Jesus as long as he fulfills our personal and selfish needs and desires. Instead of searching for him in order to submit ourselves to his vision for our lives. In the end, this group of people was following Jesus because they wanted, they, they needed to feed their bodies. They weren't looking for him because of who he is. But Jesus was well aware of it. He knew that he needed to address the situation. And he did it by preaching to them a sermon. And I love when Jesus preaches a sermon. <laughs> Keep in mind the setting is the synagogue in Capernaum. Jesus gave them a two-point sermon. The title of his sermon was... I am the bread of life. Point one, sorry, go back. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Point two, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Super basic, right? Pretty straightforward. Nothing that complicated. But they didn't get it. They didn't understand that Jesus wanted to become their sustenance. They didn't understand that Jesus was offering them a whole new life. A life without lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. They didn't get it. But I hope we do. Not only in our heads. But in our practice too, 
Our Lord's desire is that we will feed upon him every day. He wants to become our daily bread. He wants to share with us his goodness and his generosity. His desire is that we will find delight and enjoyment in his presence. Whatever the need, whatever the issue, he joyfully invites us to receive from him unlimited supply. You heard me right. Unlimited. So enjoy the provision. Now, before we go any further, let me remind you that all of this is happening and the waiting for one of the most important feasts for the Israelite nation, the Passover. During the Passover feast, the Israelites celebrated their liberation from slavery. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 400 years and God used a man named Moses to lead them into freedom. Moses was a man to whom God revealed himself in a burning bush as Yahweh, as the I am. Now in the Old Testament, there are seven combined I am names for God. One of those seven combined I am names is Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide or the I am will provide. So with all this in mind, Jesus decided to pick up this name to reveal himself fully to everyone in that audience saying, I am the bread of life. And by referring to himself this way, Jesus declared two things. One, that he is divine. And two, that he is a provision given to us. That he is God in the flesh. And that he has become the provision that we need in order to experience new life. Now it's obvious that Jesus knew that bread was the primary source of sustenance for this audience. Bread was like, was uh, to Jewish people like tortillas for Mexicans. <laughs> you see, uh, Mexicans eat tortillas not only because they taste good, but because they fill our bellies. When there's not much to eat, praise God. That we have tortillas. <laughs> Whenever we didn't have much, as I was growing up, our menu at home was limited to bean burritos and crispy potato tacos. And I know it sounds boring, but the salsa, the salsa <laughs> is the magic. Now I know that we all grew up eating different foods. However, the point that I want to make is that food can only fill our stomachs, not our souls. And as you know, our souls need nourishment as well. Our souls are also hungry. Our souls also may need living water. They are thirsty. The good news is that in Christ, God has provided for us the sustenance that our souls need. But unfortunately, we, we tend to forget 
We forget so easily that sometimes instead of feeding our souls upon Jesus, we try to feed them with something else other than him. Some of us are trying to feed our inner beings, our empty holes with relationships, professional success, good retirement plans, sex, awesome vacations, good health, delicious meals, etc. Knowing well that these things cannot truly satisfy our souls, that only Jesus does. For Jesus is the only one who can truly satisfy. I mean, your faith, do you believe it? Do you really believe it? That he's the only one who can truly satisfy? You know, this multitude struggled to believe it 2,000 years ago. As we struggle to believe it in our time. Instead of relying on him, we work incessantly to feed our lack of satisfaction just to discover that we'll never have enough apart from Christ. That only he is enough. And that as we feed upon him, our souls get filled. My brothers and sisters, in Jesus we have everything that our souls need Isaiah 55, 1 through 3 says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what, do, on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Listen again and need what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen, listen that you may live. You see, feeding on Jesus brings satisfaction to the soul. And I don't know how you're feeling today, but maybe you're feeling empty and disappointed going through life. And if that's you, let me assure you that in Jesus, there's provision for your soul. Let me invite you to come and eat from the bread of life. Stop resisting. God's calling and receive his provision for your life. I think it's time to come to Jesus. And if you come to him, he won't turn you away. Listen to his words. Verse 37. All those a father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I should lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. So as you can see, what Jesus is saying here is that redemption is not our, it's not our idea. We didn't come with, oh, 
Let's create this story about a savior who will redeem us. No. He's saying that redemption is the plan of the triune God. He's saying that redemption is a plan in which Jesus and the Father are working in unity. And he makes clear that in this salvific plan, God the Father is the one who chooses us. And Jesus is the one who keeps us secure in him. And we don't need to be afraid because salvation is by grace. That salvation is a gift from God to everyone who believes in God. The Son is a gift. Nicodemus is a gift to this multitude. It's a gift. How many times have you rejected a gift? I don't remember rejecting any kind of gift. I always get happy when I receive a gift. For whatever reason, we feel very comfortable rejecting the gift of God for us. Verse 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believe in him should have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. So trust me, it's not idea to go against God's will. It's not a good idea. So if you sense the Spirit of God bringing you to him, start running towards him. Receive the gift. Receive the gift that he's giving you. And in case you are wondering, Jesus is the gift. Jesus is the gift and in him we have eternal life. He is the gift. Now, please notice that Jesus is offering us eternal life. Not eternal existence. He's offering us eternal life. For he is the bread of life, not the bread of existence. There's a big difference between existence and eternal life. Existence has been already given to us. But only in Christ we'll find eternal life. Only in him we can find life as God has intended it for us. In Jesus, we get to experience a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment and of, of close relationship with God. And this is good news, right? I think those are good news. But this wasn't good news for the religious leaders of Jesus' day. As soon as they heard Jesus saying, I am the bread that came down from heaven, they started to grumble and to disqualify Jesus' claims. But Jesus didn't back off. He was bold. He kept repeating the same things over and over according to the plan. For Jesus wasn't following his own agenda. 
he was working in unity with the Father. On verse 45, Jesus said, everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. And with this statement, Jesus openly made clear that he is divine. That he and the Father are one. But his audience couldn't get it. They were not ready to recognize that Jesus was more than a simple man. They were okay with Jesus being a prophet, a miracle maker, a warrior king. But not the son of God. Not the God man. The bottom line is that their eyes were closed to see Jesus for whom he really was. They couldn't believe that Jesus is the sustainer of life, that he is everything they needed. So they rejected him. Something that you need to know about Jesus is that he is not afraid of rejection. He knows that only those who will hear from the Father will come to him. And so he openly said, this bread is my flesh, which I, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the father, of the son of man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now this phrase... It's interesting. Eat my, my flesh and drink my blood. That made everyone to wonder what Jesus was talking about. But this was just a metaphor that Jesus used to teach his audience about him being the provision of God to humanity. Jesus was inviting them to make him their sustenance. To make them their nourishment. To make him their diet. And to depend solely on him. As you can imagine, both the teaching and the invitation were disturbing and radical for the religious leaders to even consider. This teaching was too hard to swallow. And the invitation was quite extreme to embrace. They were simply not ready for Jesus, the bread of life. They weren't ready for a Messiah willing to surrender his life on behalf of humanity. They doubted that he was the source of eternal life. And they struggled with the idea of having him as the Passover lamb that takes away the sins of the world. So what about you? If Jesus is, if Jesus is who he says he is, let me encourage you to keep feeding yourself on him. Feed on him daily so that you could continue to grow, to grow closer to him and to continue to learn to walk in his way. And please don't get stuck before the pandemic, 
I was so used to just practice some very specific spiritual disciplines. And as the pandemic hit, I, I needed to start practicing other disciplines because I couldn't come together with the family of God. I couldn't preach. I couldn't, I couldn't serve in some capacities. So I needed to explore new things. And that helped me tremendously. Don't get stuck. After the pandemic, I'm experiencing or, or trying to fast a little more. A little bit more of solitude and silence. You know, when, I, when I'm silent, I have discovered that God is able to bring words into my head. To let me know if I'm making a good decision or a really bad one. To give me some insights that before I never explore. Don't get stuck. Verse 57. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. We have been called to life. Amen, your faith. Let's keep searching for Jesus. Amen. Let's keep making him our daily bread. And let's keep sharing with others about the person, the provision, and the gift that God has prepared for us in Jesus Christ. Please stand with me so that we could pray together. This is what I know. Some of us have too much, but we don't have Jesus. Some of us have been believers and followers of Jesus for years or decades, and there's no newness, there's no passion, there's no desire, there's no urgency. We don't spend enough time in his presence, enjoying him for whom he is. Our companion, in the midst of the storm, he wants to be there with us. He's our savior. Salvation has been given to us by grace. We will be with him throughout eternity. So let's get better, get used to him. get used to our brothers and sisters in the faith. Let's feed together upon Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you hungry. We come before you thirsty. We come before you with a desire, a strong desire for you to feed, to fill our souls because we need you. The blind Bartimaeus knew that he needed you. He asked for mercy. Lord, in our pain, in our difficulty, in our challenge, we come before you. And we want to let you know that we believe 
that we want to rely on you, that we want to trust on you, that we won't spend another day without enjoying your presence, your company, your feeling. Oh, Holy Spirit, please fill us and allow us to live lives worthy to be lived. Allow us to share from the mush that you have given us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.